So since you're on a time schedule, let's just uh, polish this turd. I mean, let's <laughs> discuss this episode. <laughs> Two D, the flat frontier. These are the voyages of the Pancake Enterprise. Its rotoscoped mission to repeat the same animation and music, to transcend the limitations of seventies animation, to go boldly where no cartoon has gone before. Toon Trek, based upon Star Trek, created by Gene Roddenberry, starring. Paul Spataro. Also starring Dave Pascarella. With Bill Robinson and Andrew Leyland as Andy. Production assistants J. David Wheater. another episode of Star Trek the Animated Series. This week we'll be covering Season 1, Episode 4. I'm David Pascarella, and I'm joined as usual by Paul Spataro. You think so highly of this one you couldn't even give the episode title. <laughs> I was going to name you first and then but give thank the you title. for the intro. Ah, Dr. Bill Robinson. Dr. Bill, Dr. Bill, Dr. Bill, Dr. Bill, Dr. Bill. You should put a farting sound in there. Dr. Bill. You guys sing and I start going into a trance and aging. And of course, Andrew Leyland, Knight of the Realm. As Rick. As Rick. Is this Rick from uh, the Young Ones, or I, I can be Rick from the Young Ones? Fuck you, Vivian. Oh no, I was Vivian, wasn't I? <laughs> anyway, and now we can move into the title of this whatever illustrious episode. Yeah, that's what some people are calling it: the Lorelei Signal. It is an episode. You cannot doubt that. It's canonical. Indeed, indeed. Do 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 do. Canonical. Canonical. Do do do. Canonical. This animated gem was directed by Hal Sutherland, written by Margaret Arman, and originally aired on September 29th, 1973. Wow, 1973. I was a whole year and a half old. I was barely a year old. I'm older than you. I was like 40. <laughs> Paul drove over there in his first new car to watch. I came out of retirement to watch it. <laughs> I was 40. That sounded like Thingo, didn't it? Lionel Stander. I was 40, and when I met them, it was my turn. <laughs> <laughs> well, this little gem opens up with The Enterprise investigates the sector of space where starships have been disappearing. Precisely every 27.346 years. So you Can we set the Bermuda Triangle? <laughs> yeah. And we should go there with one ship. I don't How know. About send that? in a probe? Right. Well, probe maybe, maybe the Enterprise is the only ship in the area. Crazy, you know what? Let's just wait. Let's just get through the synopsis. And then uh, I, right, I, I right, want right. to make a statement. 
to cover, uh, to cover a lot. Is it going to get you in trouble? Oh, no. Well, maybe. No, no, I don't think so. Does yeah, that probably. have anything to do with being a member of the Communist Party? <laughs> uh, no. A compelling musical signal lures the Enterprise to a remote planet in the Taurian system. The music influences the male members of the Enterprise crew, affecting their judgment and causing them to experience euphoric hallucinations. Oh, so it's Yoko Ono's stuff. Okay. I don't know about how euphoric those hallucinations were, but okay. Kirk, Spock, Dr. McCoy, and Lieutenant Carver who, if this was a regular episode, would have been dead by the end, being down to the source of the signals. They find a race of beautiful women who want to celebrate their arrival. As they indulge in the entertainments the women offer, they find themselves in a lethargic state and rapidly aging. Don't we all? Headbands locked around their foreheads transmit their life force to the women who are growing in strength. Reminds me of my ex-wife. Reminds Meanwhile, me of a wedding ring. Oh. Yeah, draining the life out of you. Meanwhile on the Enterprise, Lieutenant Ahura talks with Nurse Chapel about the men's condition and concludes that she must take command due to the euphoric state of Chief Engineer Scott. She might have come to this conclusion a little earlier since they did notice all this before they beamed down in the first place. Kirk and his party gather enough strength to escape to a spacious garden and hide inside a tall urn. They realize the pace of their loss of strength correlates with the proximity of the women. They decide that Spock should go back alone and attempt to find their communicators and contact the ship, since he has not deteriorated as much as the others. Spock completes his task and orders Ahura to come down with an all-female rescue party. Uhura beams down with the chapel and a female security force. When the native women try to force them to leave, they stun them. When Uhura threatens to destroy their temple, the Turian women explain how they came to be in their current situation. When their people settled on the planet, the planet weakened them, and the women could only survive by draining the men's remaining energy, and like a wedding, which caused their deaths. The women are now immortal and don't age, but they cannot reproduce, and every 27 years must lure males and drain their life forces to stay alive. At Ahura's urging, the Turian women help them locate a male landing party, help them locate the male landing party, who were drowning in the urn due to a rainstorm. The female landing party frees them using phases. The aging process is stopped with the removal of the headbands, but they cannot find a treatment to restore their original age. Spock comes up with the idea of using their original transporter patterns from when they first beamed out. Uhura returns to the planet and witnesses the Turian leader, Dila, destroying the device that had been luring starships, stating that Uhura should tell Kirk she kept her side of the bargain. Uhura informs them that a ship of women will return to bring them to a habitable world and that the women's body should return to normal in a few months. Tila is pleased, preferring, preferring a life fully lived to a static immortality. Yeah. Uh, uh, anyone have any comments? But you know what? Uh, yeah. I'm going to interrupt you there quickly. 
Let's start with, does anybody have any positive comment? Yes. I do. Yes, oh, I do. Good. Let's go there first, then, before uh, we start. On the one event. hand, positive comments. It's nice to see Uhura get the centre seat, um, uh, something that she was denied in the actual show. It's nice to see her get a prominent place in the story. It's nice to see that the Enterprise had female security officers and engineers, which I thought was one in the eye for all the people who keep saying the original series is so sexist. Well, here's a canonical episode that says that, you know, there were women security officers and there were women engineers on the Enterprise. You will never see again. Well, you know, that's that's just the way television worked back then, wasn't it? Uh, So they were all positives. Anybody else have any okay. positives? I've run out of positives. Uh, yeah, well, I've got a positive. Well, I okay, what? I have a middle-of-the-road comment. Then we'll go into the negatives. So, well, and anybody that heard me say the joke about a wedding ring draining what? your life, get over it. It's a joke. Anyway, so. Uh, I, heard, I heard a funny one about that the other what? day, about stuff at the motion picture, like the oath of celibacy, and somebody said, what, marriage? <laughs> <laughs> So, we have to remember, gentlemen, and any ladies that are listening, there are no ladies here at this time, that this was written as a cartoon. Yes. So, we have to kind of put, because I have a lot of problems, and then I realized I have a problem with this from years of watching other shows and years of seeing other sci-fi universes, and even a rather quite different Discovery Star Trek universe because you know if they'd been down to this planet they would have just slaughtered all these women <laughs> burn them when to come down and just burned them all yeah should have so, killed everyone oh yeah seriously same thing if a car they would have just beamed in and blasted everybody so now that's out of the way I open the floor to negative comments would you like me to go first or would somebody else like to go first well my I'm my gonna, man I'm gonna give you one more positive because it brought a smile to my face when uh, when Spock started doing the countdown and I kept thinking of the Corbomite maneuver <laughs> this guy's doing a countdown <laughs> I knew he would I, 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 my my major negative is the ending that the transporter beam can suddenly fix all problems by rebooting it to an earlier yeah. Yeah, why don't like, wait until you could, you're on your know. deathbed and then just do that? Yeah. Yeah. How uh, many and, how and many can, diseases does that cure? And they can de-age you. <laughs> yeah. That's 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 going to be the uh, every twenty seven years they can be Yeah. I mean, you, you get to re- you get to retirement age, and all they have to do is beam you into the pattern buffer, find your pattern from when you were twenty five, and rematerialize you back in a twenty five year old body. Now, do you still You've have essentially... your, your same brain? Do you have your memories? Yes. Yeah, so therefore, apparently... therefore, you you work yourself for you know whatever thirty forty years. You finally get to retirement. And they say, all right, we just threw you in the transporter, and you can work another forty years. Yeah, you can work another. I didn't say your mortality didn't come without its downsides. But certainly, if, they, if they've got a transporter pattern of you in the peak of health and you get any kind of dehabilitating disease, surely they can just re, re-merge the two patterns and you've not got that disease anymore. Yeah, they needed to add something in there that this is a one-time thing. We, you know, we can only do it now because of the energy that's provided by the planet, blah, blah, blah. Something. There needed, there needed to be something to keep them from doing this forever because otherwise it's, again, it's Kirk's a- blood in, in uh, what you call it, the... the uh, Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Con's yeah. blood in Star Trek Into Darkness. Yes, yes. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. So, I mean, but again, 
this is written for children, 40 and 50 year old men would look at this and go, hey, fuck <laughs> yeah, I want to look at Fix 2. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So we, we do we judge this on its merits as a cartoon written for its audience, or do we judge it as jaded science fiction fans? I think we do both. Um, if you can do both. both. You also okay. judge it as an episode of Star Trek. Um, let's be brutally honest, there are worse third season episodes of Star Trek than this one. Mm. In fact, this writer wrote one of them. She wrote The Cloud Minders, which is not a good oh, episode. Oh, God, sorry. She also wrote The Paradise Syndrome, which I think is a good episode. She mm. also wrote The Gamesters of Triskelion, which, if nothing else, is a lot of fun. Oh, sorry. Is The Paradise one the, the one with the spores? It's the I giant amoeba. Oh, yeah, yeah, the one where Kirk ends up on the planet and the Enterprise... Oh, that one? That's that one? Oh, yeah, they've got to go and destroy the meteor. No, that's the immunity syndrome. Oh, excuse me. You're your syndromes mixed up. You you can see, and now if we could just burn you through the Enterprise pattern buffer, you wouldn't have got those two mixed up. Mm. So what happens when you lose a limb? Like, do they have to beam you back with some cheese to, to like, you know... Like, it's in the buffer, but you don't have the material to... You got to throw the lemon too. Oh, no, guys, gross. <laughs> you give the guy his leg and say, "Oh, it's a dead limb," and you like, yeah, quick, get him. No, get, give me. I don't. Oh. I mean, I'm sure Captain Christopher Pike would be made up with the discovery of this. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, I don't know. He's really little, excited the about something. Buzzer got stuck, and they kept thinking he was saying no. <laughs> he was looking through the logs of the Enterprise, and he seemed all excited, but uh, then I turned the screen off, so I don't know why he was so happy. Uh, yeah. eh, we'll never know. Beep, 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 beep. I don't speak beep. Sorry, it's Miller time. You think he could beep <laughs> out Morris Code in that thing? You think so. You yeah. would have thought, right? All right, so here's the other... Uh, so these women, for who knows how long, have murdered people every 27.346 years... Yeah. But yet, and but yet, hey, you, you're all good. We're gonna put you on a planet. Have a nice day. And they, they murdered there's, these people every 27. What yes, years. there's no consequences and, 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 for and any of these. Why don't you guys go check it out? It's it's 27.35 years. So why don't you go now? But there's no okay. So here's my sexist veil that I see in it. Okay. What happened in the episode, which, what, the second pilot, or the originally aired one, um, of the man trap? Well, Nancy, the salt creature, well, she was freaking hideous, so she had to go. Now, <laughs> granted, she wasn't stopping from sucking the salt out of Kirk, but it's like nobody seemed to, you know, other than the doctor that was on the planet that had a relationship with it, everybody else was, you know, kill it, kill it. Oh, but hey, these are beautiful women, so, oh, we can't kill them. Oh, we feel so sorry for you. No, you need to stand some type of trial. You've been killing people. What the hell's wrong with you? I can give you another positive, by the way. It just occurred to me. At least they didn't have James Dewan do the voices of the women. That would have been better. <laughs> I've no, it, it just had, it just had uh, Nichelle Nichols and Medjil Barrett do triple duty, didn't it? Mm. Um, I mean, on the face of it, see, that kind of thing, you kind of... They gave Khan a pass. And give him a plan. And where did that, that get him? Where did well, that yes. get him? Yeah, that was the fault. That was the fault of Starfleet. Starfleet yeah, gave him a plan. Yeah. Well, obviously Starfleet's oh. not good on the follow-up. I think we've determined that over yes, the years. Yes, we've, we've Whoops, determined. Con? 
What? Every twenty-seven all these detailed reports about what's going on, and the the guy, the 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 low minimum wage junior officer who deals with all the Starship reports and isn't filing them properly, because they never go back to the planet of the the gangsters, and they never go to find out what happened to Khan. And in this particular case, it's probably Kirk was like, well. You know, we've got rid of the main problem. Ships aren't going to come here anymore and, and be disintegrated after 23 years. Let's just give them a planet and get the hell out of here. They wind up on SETI Alpha 3. Yes, which which also blows up. So, you know. <laughs> but that, that's still a bunch of crap, though. <laughs> I mean, yeah. You know, I mean, it, he's still going to make a report to, to Starfleet and the Federation, and they should be saying, whoa, 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 what? Is, what's, what? <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah. They specifically sent him there to explore this issue. It's not like, you know, he just came upon it, took care of it, and then left. They're going to want to report as to what he found. Yeah, why are all these ships missing? What has been happening to them? Wait a minute, you just let them go? What about due process? Well, they were hot. <laughs> Maybe it's like a hippy-dippy future where it's like, dude, the problem's fixed. Oh, okay, good enough for us. Yeah. Pass the Tranya. <laughs> sip, sip, pass. Oh. I think as far as cartoon plots go, this was the best way to really just say, you know, it, it was it was the best yes. version of the moment of Endgame uh, when, when all the women just kind of took over. And, and it was less heavy-handed than that was. Yeah, see, I, I don't have a problem with that, given, again, when it was written. You know, this story, I mean, I, I mentioned that at least there are women security officers and women engineers. This, oh, there's I'm, a five-year gap between the end of the show and this, and times have moved on. So they probably I'm, I'm wouldn't sa- even start telling the story. I'm saying it as a positive. I'm saying that, yeah, that, it's a good thing. that they did it better than they did, whatever, two years ago in, in Endgame. Yeah, it's just a shame that they wrote all the women as rock dumb. Well, yeah, because well, wait, you're talking about the ones on the planet, right? Yeah, because yeah. if the, if the they've eaten all the men, or they've aged all the men out, so they've all died, or whatever it was that they were doing with those wacky hippie culty headbands, but they've still got those starships, right? So why can't they leave in one of those ships? Yeah, but well, well that yeah, because everybody wouldn't necessarily have. Uh, Oh, you know, wait, I got two thoughts. Let me finish the first one. And Andy will know where I'm going with the second one. So they've got, um, well, one, they may not understand the technology. Two, they may, if they beam down, they wouldn't have a way to get back up. Uh, three, well, you know, that goes back to one. Like if they came down in a small ship, they may not know how to fly to get back. But what if they're like the Space 1999 episode that once they leave the border of the planet, they suddenly age the one with brian blessed or one of the yeah, ones with if, brian blessed and if if they'd mentioned that in this story i would have agreed with you but they don't the enterprise right. just oh we can take the women to another planet they've got how many spaceships went missing they've got tons of spaceships there and again just a line of dialogue we don't know how to use this technology that would have explained why they've got all these starships around the planet that they don't know what to do with that's true they didn't have any time to read any of them yeah well, Khan was, was genetically engineered to be yeah, super he smart. Read him like anyway. a day. He read yeah, him like a day. He, he they did. had 27 yeah. years before the next one was going to come. Yeah, so I'm sure they could have studied. They could have studied one Starship manual. At the very least, the go forward button. <laughs> I mean, I the Packlets were able to. Yeah, even the Packlets could have got off that planet. Yeah. So, so are the, not a, it's not a positive. No. Well, because also, the, 
the women on the planet are kind of portrayed as dumb, uh, although maybe it was just the way they wrote the plot. Well, I guess it was the way they wrote the no, plot. No, they're dumb. <laughs> they're dumb. They have a machine, the Opto-Org. Opto-Org. Show me where he is. But meanwhile, they're running around in the Okay, rain. well, the Opto-Odd isn't that smart because they can't look in the giant freaking urn in the middle of a wide open field for four guys. Look, look at that giant thing big enough to hold four people. Right, but I mean, that that's what it was like, in the beginning. They too. don't think to look there. Like, you're right next to it. But I mean, they're they already aging. They couldn't they, have got that far. They didn't think to ask the machine. It's like, we're going to go look for someone. Should we take a look at the security cams before we go out? No. And then, did something happen? Well, I mean, okay, it, it, is, a, it is a different planet. Water may work differently. They could have just floated to the top of that urn in the water. They weren't necessarily going to drown. That yeah, they the, couldn't get out. They could have floated until it filled up and grabbed the top lip and flipped themselves out. I'm like, come on. What's wrong with you guys? Again, it's a cartoon, so I have to just back off. Yeah, and, and our characters are treated relatively intelligently. Uhura and Chapel both come out of this one quite well. Yeah, oh yeah. And sometimes so, Uhura seems like she's just, in this one, like she's just waiting for that moment to say, that's it, I'm in charge. <laughs> <laughs> I, I quite like that though she spent four years trapped in a miniskirt and saying hailing frequencies open somebody's give her the command seat she's like yep that's mine it always it always feels right. like you know if she's on the bridge and, and Kirk is walking on and he like stumbles a little that's it I'm in charge <laughs> <laughs> but but the, that whole opening it's like none of them are right before they beam down Oh, yes, I feel, oh, you know, the yeah. strain. Bah, bah, bah. You know, it'd be like if they came out to get in the car and over his feet. Yeah, I think you need to be relieved right now. Oh, God, we had the long, we had the James Dewan, uh old Welsh folk song uh, uh, solo. <laughs> you know what would have made that perfect, though, Bill? If when they showed the Enterprise moving across the sky, it was like zigzagging and weaving like a drunk <laughs> was trialing it. That would have been perfect. And O'Reilly came up to the bridge. <laughs> Even better. I'll take you home again, <laughs> Kathleen. Uh, they didn't do that. <laughs> that would have made it great. I think this is definitely, I hate to say it, this is a, a politically messaging issue. Based on the time it came out, the year before the Senate and the House passed the Equal Rights Amendment. They should have had Helen Reddy singing "I Am Woman." Mm -hmm. Yes, but she she actually wanted to be paid. She wanted to be paid, though. They weren't going to do it for free. As soon as as soon as Uhura took over, she could have had them blasting that through the speakers in the entire starship. (laughs) Uh, God, that's that's we've we've almost we've pretty much exhausted all my notes on this one. Let's see. Uh, is, well, quad, is it quadrazine or quadrapine that they used in the city of Abba, the, the city on the edge of forever, the stimulant? Quadro. Wait, though, no, that's the green. Quadro. Quadro Trinity Kale is the green. Quadrazine. Which is what? Probably the future version of quarter zone. So basically, shot him up with something to make his knees work better and his joints. <laughs> yeah, that explains why he could get up and run off the bridge so quickly before anyone could stop him. Better. Right. Doing some great food, this ability to use the transporter to do this is done again in the next generation. There's an episode where Dr. Pulaski is cured Mm. by doing this. So apparently they didn't just forget about it. And they've used this before, like, well, there's been minor uses of it, I 
I kind of remember like, oh, well, didn't didn't the transporter filter? Because I, I could hear Picard, didn't the transporter filter? filter out with the you know the bio filter then it should yeah the idea the idea of any disease contamination in the next generation I, I would be so apparently the transport if it. we had that technology i would be so weak-willed i'd be like scotty you got to beam me and, and re- recover me because i got a paper cut those hurt oh and put me through Scotty used the transporter to keep himself in suspended animation on uh, the next generation. I mean, there's all kinds of crazy, stupid uses of the transporter. You know, I don't know that the transporter is entirely safe. <laughs> if you can do all this wacky shit with it, I, don't, I think I'd be Dr. McCoy. I think I'd be right. You, you lot go down there. I'll go in the shuffle. The problem is they were very inconsistent about it. They'd come up with these things and then you'd never hear of them again. Hmm. I mean, the transporter could be a great like plastic surgeon device. I need to lose fifty pounds. Gone. Well, yeah. I'm, look, I'm looking up some. I'm looking up to, because we apparently run out of things to say. I'm looking up some stuff about the thinking behind this episode. And there's one here that's basically saying this entire episode is about women who like their youth so much they like to suck and drain and bleed all of the energy out of men, which is not a good message to send <laughs> well, in an episode that's empowering. We've eliminated we the were. thought that this is a positive episode. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, I mean, they're saying this isn't an empowering episode for women. So I, mean, I didn't actually okay. think that. I just thought that they had no repercussions for their actions at all, which I thought yeah, was bad. I think it's. I think it's a, a. I think it's a very valid point. That, but you can argue as well that that's simply because this is only twenty-two minutes. Maybe if it had been a 45, 46 minute episode, they would have had a line that, you know, obviously there's going to have to be some kind of hearing to establish why you you didn't leave after the first ship. That's a why crack. you killed more That's a ships. Crack. I'm sorry, Andy, but no way. Because, I mean, how many times did they let people get away with this, this, uh, disobeying orders and, and doing things that were wrong just because the ultimate final conclusion was satisfactory. Yeah, so, but the, you're, if you're even if it was a 45 minute episode, they would not. There's no that. punishment. The the relatives of the people on those other ships are going to want to know what happened. And oh. I don't care how enlightened Starfleet and Earth is in the 23rd century. They're going to be saying, so wait a minute. So they killed however many ships worth of crew and that we're just going to say, OK, off you go. Yeah, well, pretty much. How would that's what they did when his brother got killed. Yeah. Well, yeah. How would they have gotten off the ship? They only had women drivers. No. <laughs> At the time. Oh, expressed are the opinions of only the hosts who <laughs> say them, not the other ones who are sitting by hoping to not get killed by people. Yeah. Don't you remember that period of time, 1970-some? Wasn't that something people always would say? Women drivers? Not me. Well, it's not. It's not like Star Trek <laughs> didn't put a woman driver in command of the Enterprise, and then she promptly crashed the ship. So it's right. Like, and how many years later was that? So it's it's not like Star Trek doesn't have form in that particular area. I don't know yeah, that it's a stereotype we want to reinforce, though. Now, how many days do you think they were down on the planet? Oh, about two. It about two. And it was they were aging ten years per day. Yeah, they said that. So how is it they're like 900 years old? That's very... Kurt would have been at most, what, 56? Right. I mean, frankly, we're almost... We're there. I think I could perform a little better than Kirk was. Yeah, but it was done in a very rapid 
you could say that because the aging took place over such a like they didn't they, okay we have as we've grown old we become accustomed to our aches and pains if you suddenly had 10 years of 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 arthritis and everything thrown upon you or whatever you may be weak too i will give it that uh point well argued now, also in the novelization, I just read a little snippet. It says, additionally, the adaptation by Alan Dean Foster has an extended introduction and involves the transport operation that returns the landing party to her original bodies, actually affecting their memories as well, requiring that they be informed of the episode's events in retrospect. Basically, like, all right, we're going to take you back to this. You don't remember anything. Right. See, now that's a good excuse for them not doing it all the time. Yes, we've got the power. Yes, we can return you to what you were like, age 25, but you will still you be 25 again. Yeah, you will have no life experience from that point forward. You will be back at being 25, which goes to what Paul said. You can retire and then work for another 40 years oh, again. Oh, God, you wouldn't even know it. You just yeah. could be, well... Companies would That's love even that. more insidious, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, smash that. I'll never get in a transporter again. No. I'm, whoops. Um, I'm <laughs> taking the shuttle. I'm with you. I'd rather maybe blow up. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I Bad like taste. Jimmy Doohan singing. That was, I quite like that bit. When everything else goes quiet, it's just him singing. I thought that was It was, was some effective. crazy English Welsh song. Because you probably knew it. We're going, what the heck is that? No, but you know what? It, it, it didn't sound bad. It almost sounds no. like he has, no. a, he well, has yeah, a nice, true. comforting singing voice. But it's like they just had to like draw this out. It's like, uh, how long is this going to go? It, om- it <laughs> almost is is like something that makes you forgive them using him to, to, to do all the voices, except you know every voice he did was, well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when, you, when you've not got enough plot to fill 22 minutes, something is wrong. I did like Uhura was the badass when she beamed down. Yeah. I'm going to yes, start blasting this thing. Now you're going to tell me I'm going to work on something else. Uh, it's a good episode for Uhura, which is probably the nicest thing we can say about it. I, I'm yeah. surprised that in our looking into this one that we haven't found somebody who specifically champions that idea to make it a new episode. No, everyone has... Pre- everything. I'm doing some scrolling around on Memory Alpha and various other things, and pretty much everyone agrees that Uhura taking command aside, it's a stinker of an episode. Apparently, there is a book by Paula Block, and I'm scrolling through Wikipedia because I now can't find it, that names this one of the worst episodes of the show. Yeah, one of the worst episodes of Star Trek. The winner of the Spock's Brain Award. Yeah, for the animated series. All right, so so this will be our uh, Alamarine for the... uh... Yeah, the animated series where we're going to see if there's any episode that sinks lower. Yeah, but it's got some good stuff in it. So it does because I've been I've been trying to decide what rating to give it because it's got such a good high positive note, but then it's got such a bad negative. I, I have my rating already set. Unless you guys convince me, uh, I don't think we're going to convince you otherwise. <laughs> well, you could you could you could. It's just as a teaser, you could knock me down lower. Here it is, I found it. The reference book Star Trek 101 by Terry J. Erdman and Paula M. Block cites this episode as, yeah, the Spock's Brain Award. Spock's that it's (laughs) one of the, if not the worst episode of the animated show. So on the plus side, guys, we've got the shit one out the way. We'll see. We'll see. Who knows? Maybe when we, you know, we still have, I don't know, what is it, like 18 more episodes? So we will find one we don't like as much as this. Yeah. 
And the actual, let's be honest, the basic actual plot of the Siren Song is is quite an old one. So, yeah. you know, there's oh, yeah. Batman where they do it, isn't it? Isn't it Greek? Is it Greek mythology? I'm sure I just read that. Yeah, again, yeah, memory alpha, yeah, it's Greek. Yeah, it's Greek mythology, the legend of the sirens who would lure in the sailors with their alluring singing. So in this episode, they had Jimmy do and do it. <laughs> All right, so are we ready to... Oh, we, uh, we have to... Actually, I was going to say, we have to read Blaine's email, but no, first we rate it. Are we Dave? ready to rate? Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> Dave goes first because he did the synopsis. Um, overall, I thought it was a pretty bad episode. I did enjoy Uhura. She's the only character I felt that had any agency whatsoever. Well, there's Chapel kind of did too. Right. True. It's a charge. Uh, but overall, I probably could have lived my life rather well without this one. I, I'm going to give it uh, two two mermaids. Oh, yeah, I'm probably going to go two as well. The The basic plot isn't something we've not seen before, largely because it's from Greek mythology. It's nice to see Uhura and Nurse Chapel in a more proactive role. It is a nice thumb to the nose for all the people who say the original show is sexist to have an episode. And it is an episode of the original Star Trek that has women security officers and women engineers. It's such a shame they're in such a risible show. Uh, I will give it uh, two slowly filling giant urns that you could easily swim out of <laughs> uh, for all the reasons we've already stated. Yeah, well, that's I had already written down on my uh, ledger that I was giving it a two as well, so it's twos across the board, which is not entirely horrible. You know, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure uh, Move Along Home got lower lower ratings from us, so uh, that would still rank lower on the... Uh, on, on our rating scale than this one so the lowest level on this one may be higher than in other series uh, as as you said Andy if this you know if this is the lowest because you know you mentioned that uh, there are third season episodes of the original series that aren't as good as this one I didn't find it entirely unentertaining to watch it's not like I finished the 20 minutes and thought oh my god that was such a waste of it's a, mm. it's a short episode you, you you go through it and it's mildly entertaining and you move on it's it's yeah. You know, I, I think it was pretty inoffensive in its own way, so it's fine. Yeah, and, and ultimately it's an episode of the original Star Trek. I can watch any of those and enjoy them, with the possible exception of And the Children Shall Lead. And this isn't as bad as that. Oh, oh God. I even think Spock's brain is a good episode. Brain, brain, what is brain? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's nothing else. It's massive amounts of fun, Spock's brain. It's dumb as dirt, but it's fun. So, yeah, I, I'm with Paul on this one. I, you know, it wasn't a good episode, but it was 22 minutes of your life. It wasn't awful. I enjoyed watching it while still going, eh, at some things. You know, it was fine. <laughs> Who doesn't want it? <laughs> eh. Hello, Gavna. Spock Brain. You make me sound like Thingo from South Park when you do that. Was he Pip? Hello, Gavna. I'm Pip. I will be replaced by Butters. That's what we said. <laughs> Okay, Andy. What will Blaine say? Anyone got a song? I'm done singing songs for Blaine. It's a Blaine song. I am a siren. And I welcome you in. Oh, God, make it stop. To my grass. I just aged ten years old. Andy sang. Like a bomb. Give me a giant in my ear. It did sound like a James Bond film, that. Anyway. 
So plane, plane says, says wah, 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 wah. See, now that would be a James Bond, a uh, Blaine Says song. The Blaine with the golden gun. <laughs> the golden opinion. <laughs> He's no fun. <laughs> what does Blaine say? <laughs> you can tell there's trouble when we spend more time singing than we do discussing the show. Incoming transmission. The Lorelei signal. Star Trek's history of equal opportunity storytelling is front and center here, with the women taking the lead. We have some great Uhura moments and a few for Nurse Chapel. The close relationship between Chapel and Spock is embraced rather than ignored. Behind the scenes, they chose a female writer to do this, and ended up with an episode whose elements were borrowed by both Next Generation and Voyager in one way or another. We have some great voice work from Nichelle Nichols as four different characters, all of whom actually sounded like different people. Unfortunately, the contracts come in groups of four, so having her voice a fifth character would have doubled her salary, so Majel Barrett stepped up to voice Thela. I say unfortunately because Barrett isn't at the same level for voice acting as Nichols, Duan, and others. While Nichols and Duan can voice multiple characters and actually sound like different people, Barrett can voice four characters and sound like one person in four different moods. Even as a child, I knew it was definitely the same woman behind the microphone for both, even if I didn't know who Barrett was to Jean in real life. Still, it's an enjoyable episode, with some decent tension, and again, resolution more through conversation, communication, and understanding than with violence, which is right back to Jean's original vision. So, uh, did I did I mishear that? Did it, did he say Michelle didn't get it because she would have got an extra paycheck? So he gave the gig to his wife. So did she did she get the extra paycheck then? Because that's no negative. no because because they said that no because they said uh, that it was uh well, I guess it was written in the contract that they could perform up the four yeah, different they roles. Do, they can do three voices. I'm sure Duan said this somewhere. Three voices and then the fourth voice incurs an extra salary. I I, uh, I think Blaine enjoyed it a little more than we did, actually, from, from his email. <laughs> yeah, but I think that there's a difference between just watching it and going, yeah, that was all right, oh, that wasn't a very good one, and then having to sit down and talk about it. Because by definition, we're going to tear it apart. And if you tear this apart, it doesn't go back together very well. I mean, just on the point of view of aging, I hate aging episodes. Because you guys know, as well as I do now, sadly, that as you get older, things start sagging. They're not just going to jump back into position when you de-age them. And why does the herd? Why does the herd not go grey in this episode? Or in Shatner's case, recede? The herd doesn't change at all. And that we, element alone always bugs me. Yeah, well, <laughs> Shatner's toupee and this is more convincing than the one he was actually wearing in 1974. So what? there's all that element. He's of got it. a toupee. I never knew. And yeah, well, okay. Star, Star Trek The Motion Picture didn't look as good as it did in the original show. I don't know what was going on there. But I didn't even get into the aging part of it because I just hate that as a plot device. So I just ignored it. I need my hair. I want my hair. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what we thought of the Lorelei signal. What are we doing next time? Next time, an all-new episode of Toon Trek. It's actually, in production order, the first episode more troubles, more troubles. Now, more. I don't remember that one, so I'm kind of actually curious to see what happens in it because You've you know, seen the Tribbles trouble. is such a uh, cornerstone episode <laughs> that I'm curious to see where they went with this one. I know, I know it's something about them getting bigger instead of multiplying. I don't know. We'll see. Two weeks. 
You know when you're watching these, do you find your mind replacing the background music with the music from the show? Because throughout this entire episode, I was doing that. When I was watching this episode, I was humming incidental music from the original show rather than the background music for this. When I look out the street, I start going... Well, you mean you don't go as you walk down the Star Trek running music, the the animated series running music. It was like used in other cartoons. Was the music? Yes, it was. I remember that I swear I remember that in, like, a Filmation Tarzan cartoon. I was just going to say Tarzan, because I'm, I'm pretty, pretty sure, sure it's the only Filmation series I watched. I'm it was the Batman sure Tarzan the hour. team was the same for that, so yeah. that sense. I just could swear I've heard this music in all the cartoons, so it wouldn't wow, make sense. Wow, 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 wow. <laughs> I mean, it's such a shame as well that we're going to get a Troubles episode next time, and we're not going to have... Oh, definitely. Never mind. All right. Well, we'll see you then. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye. I'll take you home again, Kathleen. (laughs) Toon Trek is based upon Star Trek, created by Gene Roddenberry, and is a Tutu Freaks presentation. It's hosted by Andrew Leyland, Paul Spataro, Dave Pascarella, Bill Robinson, and produced and guest-hosted on occasion by J. David Wheaton. All music and clips are copyright their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. This is a review show, and as such, protected under fair use. Yeah, let's go with that. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Toon Trek. been a I long can't. road getting from there to here and carry on if you want but you said we were in a rush yeah, I no, got so we'll just listen to you gas <laughs> gas in my farts that's right let's go to fart humor <laughs> you know it's it's reaching the end of its natural lifespan when the fart gags come out